Ladies and gentlemen, the Sports Gloss is back. I'm your host, Jamal Cox, and I'm with the boss of the Beagle Pub, Justin Kelly. How are you doing today, JK? JC, I'm all right, man. The Ides of March, we're rolling. Second round of the tournament, lots going on. Jamal, happy to be here in Little Owl Studios. Yeah, lots to recap today. It was a big, big first weekend of the tournament. Let's jump right in. and we're Wait, talk- before we do that, we just watched the end of UCLA Gonzaga. Tasty little finish. We're kind of buzzing on that. Yeah. A couple of big shots by the freshman on UCLA. Gonzaga counters without Timmy. The other guy's name is... Swather? Yeah, Julian Swather. Whoa, what an ending. We were we were delaying the segment and our taping because we were watching the end of that game. Delicious. This is what the March Madness is all about. Just having those moments where you never know what's going to happen. We'll talk about this game a little bit more in a few minutes, but let's jump in and talk about the big, big upset that happened last week. And that was Farley Dickinson, Fairland Dickinson, however you say it. Mm-hmm. Taking, FDU. FDU taking down the number one seed, Purdue. What are your thoughts on that one? Well, first off, Sports Gloss favorite, seven four Canadian, seven foot four Canadian Zach Eady. One and done in the tournament and in his player of the year candidacy year. They don't last long. A 16 goes down to a a one goes down to a 16 only the second time. Uh, That school near and dear to your heart or close to the area you grew up in Virginia. The UMBC Retrievers being the only one they beat Virginia. Yeah. Wow. It's wild. It's wild. That tweet that came out from UMBC was legendary after that game when they said, we have a friend. Mm. This is only the second time in 152 tries that a 16, David has slayed Goliath. It's so nuts. FDU's biggest guy, you just talked about uh, our guy Zach Eady being 7'4". Their largest, tallest guy was 6'6". And somehow they got it done. Tell me about um, FDU and how they got into the tournament, because that's interesting. Some calling this the biggest, the greatest upset in the tournament ever. And I think that is a, you know, that is totally feasible to say that because FDU, they didn't qualify in a typical fashion. The top team in their conference that would have qualified is in the midst of transitioning to D2. So division two. From D2 to D1. Yeah. So they weren't actually eligible Mm -hmm. to play in the tournament. So and, and they beat FDU in the in the tournament championship game. Exactly. And <laughs> FDU you know finds their way in like somebody without a uh, without a backstage pass that just happens to find themselves doing shots with the the, the hey, let me, hey, let me see your ticket. Oh, I lost my ticket. <laughs> but the- they took, they got their opening and they took it. Yeah, and credit to them, man. They got it done. I love that their coach, we're going to talk about a little bit more. Um, our guy, Tobin, he said, Every time I look at this game film on mm. Purdue, I feel better about our chances. Mm. He got it done. He knew it was on camera too. He called a shot and they effing pulled it off. Yeah. And speaking of another team who pulled it off, and speaking of UVA again. Woo! Number four seed, UVA went down to the number 13 seed, Furman. And the Furman Paladins. The Furman Paladins, pride of Greenville, South Carolina, I believe. Paladins a bird? I think it's like a soldier or something oh, okay. like that. I think it's like some sort of armored guard. Makes sense for South Carolina. Go on. <laughs> well, Furman, the way they did it was amazing. Basically, if uh, just to recap, if you didn't catch it, UVA was up most of the game. Then at the end, Furman, I believe, hits a free throw. 
UVA point passes into their tiny point guard, uh, Kihei Clark. He gets trapped in the corner, throws a Hail Mary pass. A limp-wristed Hail Mary. It was softer than the room temperature butter. And unlike Chris Weber, I think he had timeouts to burn, but Easy. he didn't. Hey, he didn't. And he just throws this pass. Kid catches it, relays it to our guy, J.P. Peguez, number one. Drains a like 24, 25 foot. Strokes it. Just ice in his veins. Furman, uh, sorry, UVA gets the ball back, has a look from half court that wasn't half bad, hits the uh, glass off the rim, mm-hmm. and guys on UVA are just crumbling. Tony Bennett just doing Tony Bennett things. It's win or lose, like first round loss or win it all with UVA as of late. So it's so interesting to see this. Tell me the UVA stat that I sent you via text message. I think it really sums up their last four years <laughs> for the Virginia Cavaliers. It was something. And Tony Bennett, fly me to the moon. Go on. <laughs> and I can't remember the exact order, but it was basically loss, round of 64, win the tournament, National loss, champion. round of 64, loss, round of 64. Ugh. And I mean, in our neck of the woods, UVA, there's there's high expectations after that, you know, Kyle Guy season where they won it all. So to see them drop out so quickly, man, it's. It was it was a great first day of the yeah, tournament. It well, it's been a great tournament so far. I'm I'm geeked up on it. Uh how about the Princeton Tigers? The the Ivy Leaguers coming through. Headed into a big game tomorrow against Creighton. Win the first two rounds in the Sweet 16. Another team that that had to win their conference tournament to get in. Incredible, the Princeton Tigers. Yeah, man. They were scratching to get into the tournament. They did it. They are the number 15 seed in their region. They got by Arizona on the first day. And the crazy thing with that is they beat them inside. I mean, you're not thinking about... I still think about Pete Carrill, Princeton, Mm -hmm. and backdoor Mm -hmm. cuts and all that. But their physical team, they got the job done. Then they went on and beat Mizzou, and here we are, second weekend. Two incredible wins for Princeton, the Ivy Leaguers. To knock out Arizona, you know, a traditional and current basketball powerhouse. Yeah. Um, lots of people's pick to win this whole tournament this year, the men's tournament this year, including our pal, the Billustrator, Jay Billis. <laughs> to knock out Arizona in the first round, 15 over two, that was a huge win. That was that was cool, man. That's what makes the tournament cool. Yeah, I love it. You know, uh, my buddy Andrew might be listening to this sometime this weekend. Gave Andy. me a really great uh, line. And he was saying, you know, Princeton, yes, they're 15 seed. They're Cinderella's. But really, are they Cinderella's in life, JK? <laughs> because a lot of these dudes yeah. are going to go on and have like Wall Street or sure. whatever hedge fund finance bro jobs. Sure. And I know the kid had that moment. Where he, you know, had the uh, Kevin Garnett, anything is possible after yeah. the last win. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, a lot of things are possible when you're coming from a certain neck of the woods. <laughs> so I'm going to hate on Princeton a little bit right here. Accurate. <laughs> Accurate. And their best their best player is a British kid from Newcastle, you're telling me? Yeah, he, he doesn't kick the ball. <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. But yeah, I can't pronounce his last name. We'll call him Biggie. Yeah. Uh, Taysen. Sorry, I butchered it on purpose, but I love it. I love that they're just, they're interesting dudes. They don't have transfers. They're not doing NIL deals. At no Princeton. extra NIL money. Yeah. They, and they play Creighton tomorrow. That's a big game. Imagine they beat Creighton tomorrow. Creighton, a, a mid-major, having a really great year, talented team by all accounts. 
but if Princeton can can continue to wear the Cinderella a little bit longer, it's pretty neat. It is cool. Kyle Brandt losing his mind on <laughs> Good Morning Football. Oh yeah, you know he's dying. He's just having a great time. So good, so good. But yeah, shout outs to uh, Jack Donaghy if, if you're a 30 Rock fan as well. So with that, talking about all of these wonderful Cinderellas that made some noise, I want to move into our Q&A with J&J, our first one here. Q&A when J&J brought to you by Spring Break. <laughs> I thought I was hanging on by a thread during the school year. You get the Spring Break? Oh, me. Oh, my. Uh, you and I both taking off for the weekend, getting getting away from the everyday, some with kids, some sans kids. But uh, I'm happy for both of us getting out of town tomorrow, JC. Let's get the fuck out of here. We deserve it. We deserve it. All week we've been waking up and everybody else is sleeping in. <laughs> just looking over at my wife with just like disdain. Yeah. Looking at my kids like, all you're doing all day is just playing games, watching shows, playing Lego. I'm up here doing God's work upstairs. <laughs> Paying them bills. Paying these bills. You guys having fun down there? Can someone make me lunch? <laughs> Couldn't be bothered. Couldn't Pajamas yeah. all day, every yeah. day yeah. this week. You're irrelevant to them. <laughs> totally irrelevant. But that's all right. I'm leaving the country this weekend, so I'm happy. Mm, smells like a little international waters. I look forward to a report on that next week. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you know how uh, the vibes are down in Seattle. Heck yeah. So our Q&A with J&J this week. What are your most memorable March Madness moments? Now, I want to start with the, with you on this. I want to turn this back around because the Glosses VCU Rams went out last weekend to the mighty St. Mary's fighting. And and that one hurt. That it one did. hurt the gloss a little bit. And, and the subscribers, they felt that. But I really want to hear about your thoughts and feelings about what really brought VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University, that you're a graduate of, you went to journalism school there. I want you to tell me what what comes to mind, what is conjured when you think about VCU's 2011 run, Shaka Smart at the helm. Set the table for me. Let me know if you're still in Virginia, if you're somewhere else. Paint a picture and don't be afraid to get emotional. <laughs> Thanks for setting the table for me for sure. So yeah, 2011, I was living in San Francisco Bay Area and kind of watching from afar this magical run that we had. We were an 11 seed. We had to win the play-in to get into the tournament. I believe we took down USC. And it was kind of one of those things where you're like, oh, sweet, okay. We're in the tournament now officially. Not a big deal. Cool. Next round, we get Georgetown. I grew up watching Georgetown, watching you know Patrick Ewan, uh, John Thompson with the towel, Watching my guy Allen Iverson, mm -hmm. watching these teams, so I kind of Victor Page, Victor Page, yeah. So I had a, a kind of a reverence or like put up these guys on a pedestal, and then we got back to Georgetown. I'm like, okay, all right. Othella all right. Harrington, yeah, Othella, big lefty. We big love a lefty. lefty. Former Vancouver Grizz, cool. Yeah. So I'm watching all this unfold, and I'm just kind of like, all right, we're making a little bit of noise here, and then I'm starting to get texts and things from friends at home, and they're like man, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. There's still room. And I'm kind of thinking, all right, let's just wait and see here. This is a nice little run. I'm not trying to get too far ahead of things. And then come up against Purdue, beat Purdue. Mm. And I'm thinking, all right, mm. it's official now. We're we're dancing. This is special. Then a big turning point. Play against Florida State. Stronger team on paper. Pull out a 72-71 victory. And... 
now it's full on. Yeah. It's full on. I'm I'm here and I'm just like I'm starting to look at my schedule, like trying to, you know, being three hours behind. I can't remember. No, I think they were in like the the Midwest region, but I'm starting to to schedule things differently. You're looking at flights. I'm like <laughs> I'm trying to figure things out. I'll actually Southwest get... fly to Missoula. <laughs> so I'm 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 in. I'm hooked for wow. sure. And I'm how can you not be? I'm you know, I know a, a few of the names of the players and stuff, but now I'm starting like it's all household. You got your Joey Rodriguez. You got your Jamie Skeen. You got your Troy Daniels dropping three balls. You got the pride of Highland Springs High School. B-Roz, Brandon Rozelle, still affiliated with the team right now. I think he's he's doing some sort of assistant coaching or some sort of like basketball ops for them. But you've got all these guys. They're a fun team to watch. And the reason they're a fun team to watch as well, and I can't forget the biggest name here on the page, is Shaka Smart. The coach. Kind of... At this point, in obscurity, sure. and then next thing you know, this little like shaved head, light skin bro is just making things happen. VCU always kind of had this pressing, aggressive style, kind of compensating for the lack of offensive creativity mm-hmm. by just building the offense through the defense. And I love, we talked about this before, I love when teams press full court. I love, it's fun to watch. It's exciting. Sure. sure. You know, so we're watching all this, and, and Chaka had coined the phrase havoc which I love. And it's, I remember that actually. Yeah. He coins this phrase of havoc. He's like, what is, what is VCU's stylistic description? And and we want to create havoc. So there's people are sending me pictures. There's billboards as you like get close to campus on cool. um, I 64 in Richmond. It's like havoc and it's got player, like the players on the team. So every, the city's just got this momentum and juice, right? Indeed. It's awesome. So as I said, I'm still watching this from afar. Loving this havoc, which is kind of just, I would say, like Nola Richardson's 40 Minutes of Hell 2.0 when Arkansas was back doing their thing back in the day with with those Corliss Williams. Corliss, big nasty. Yeah, all those Thurman, Scotty Thurman. Yep, Thurman, Alex Dillard, knocking down threes. So yeah, you've got this long 3 and D type of pressing undersized point guard who's like a traditional PG. He's like drive and kick. So it's a fun team to watch, right? Yes. So yeah, we get past FSU and we're sitting there and we're looking across and it's an, a beautiful moment as a, as a resident or not a resident at the time, but someone from uh, RVA where we don't play. You're looking and you see who's on the other side of the table. Who might we play? Who might we play? And our rivals, Crosstown rivals, University of Richmond has also got a slipper on and they're making things happen too. That's that's a few miles, a few kilometers away. Campuses are that tight? Yeah, we play at least twice a year. Campuses are tight. It's very contrast uh, in campus and style. Their private school mm. probably costs, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 grand a year. Cough. You're getting a lot of, a lot of kids kind of imported kind of sandbagging or whatever carpet bagging, I believe is the expression, coming down from the Northeast coming down from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you walk around campus, you, you don't see a lot of VA plates, honestly. Mm. It's kind of a more frat oriented school. I'm not trying to poop on Richmond, but it is what it is. Versus VCU, it's a state school. We've got 30,000 kids undergrad. They've got probably 15, something like that, mm-hmm. 18. So anyway, it's a contrast in styles, but hey, are we going to face our, our rivals again? Probably not because they're facing Kansas and the Morris twins. So... For a moment, we're dreaming and we're thinking center of the basketball universe yeah. right now is yeah. Richmond, Virginia. 
and cool. it's nuts. And people, I'm living in California, as I said, people are coming up to me like, hey, man, you're from Richmond. You see all this going on? I'm like, yeah, this is wild. I can't believe it. Two teams and the Sweet 16. I don't know if this has happened before. It's special. So we get to this point. Kansas Downs U of R, as we think. And I'm thinking, okay, that was a great ride. This is awesome. We're building something. Maybe we're going to get some like nice recruits out of this moving forward. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can hold on to Shaka and build something here. We've had great coaches before, like Anthony Grant, who left us, right. went on to like Florida and big things. So yep. we're always kind of this like stepping stone. Anthony Grant was yoked. <laughs> he was yoked. He I've was, seen him in person. He was yoked. Yeah, he didn't play. Yeah. So, you know, I'm taking it as it comes. I'm just enjoying the moment. So we beat we beat Kansas. We beat Kansas and I'm getting like video texts and clips people are like dancing on cars, like doing all the crazy shit. Like the town is just Heck turns yeah. upside down. It's Heck wild. Yeah. We're going to Houston. We're going to the final four. It's nuts. Who was on Kansas that year? They had the, the Morris twins. Right. And I can't remember who else they had, but they had a decent team. Kansas. Mario Chalmers. He might have been a little bit earlier, mm. but I, I can't remember. It was 2011. It's good. We have to. I mean, Kansas was stacked with four and five stars. Let's be clear. They they've were, got future pros yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they were. They probably thought, "Hey, VCU, whatever, we'll get by." So we take down Kansas, and it wasn't super close. We get the job done, and then we're we're dancing. We're going to Houston, and we're lined up to play Butler, the Bulldogs. Yeah, Shelvin Mack. Sheldon Mack. No neck, but doesn't matter. Return, return of the Mac. <laughs> return of the Mac. So here's the rub on this. I'm thinking, I know what I want to do on that Saturday. Oh, I'm in my friend's wedding. Oh, no. My buddy, Jeff. Jeff, you're killing me. Obviously, he's not planning. He's not thinking when he's planning this, VCU is going to be in this. Jeff, stop being so selfish. <laughs> So we get to the day of the wedding, and I remember vividly, I'm nervous as hell. You would have, oh. if you would have walked in the room, you would have went, Jamar, are you getting married? I'm like, no, I'm just VCU. You're sweating. I'm sweating. So we actually have the game on, which is great. We're in like kind of a green room type situation at the- Mid-wedding? Pre. Oh. And um, it's looking bad, and, and my, my friend's going- For through. Jeff or for Rams? <laughs> Look at Jeff. Good for Jeff. He married up. He knows it. He outkicked the coverage. Jeff, I'm joking. Jeff, I'm joking. <laughs> Thanks for listening. But yeah, so you know, this is I'm 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 here with my buddy, and and we're getting in that mindset and getting ready for the wedding and everything. And I've got to say a few words as well. Um, you know, uh, just kind of like a speech and during the wedding. But I'm a bit I'm a bit uh, occupied. I'm a bit occupied. The game was close. We just couldn't get it done. Ran out of juice. Ran out of gas. We lost to Butler. A bit dejected. Not the best mindset you want to go when your buddy's about to tie the knot. But it is what it is. We mm-hmm. overcame. We survived and advanced. And and uh, we had a great time at the wedding. And it was tough, but it's a glorious, glorious time. Uh, if you're keeping score at home, if you don't know, now you know. Butler went on to obviously beat us. Then they faced that dream uh, UConn team at kind of the end of that Calhoun Calhoun era, they had Shabazz Napier, Jeremy Land, and most importantly, uh, Kimball Walker was mm. just killing it that year. Uh, Brad Stevens, 
former Boston Celtics head coach, now Boston Celtics general manager slash exec, right? Was the coach yeah. of the Butler Bulldogs for all those years when they were with Sheldon Mack and Gordon Hayward. Yep. And they went on their their push. And boy, did he parlay that into a nice NBA career. I know. Yeah. It was really great. Well-deserved, I think. He built something from nothing there. They solidified a mid-major. Back to Kemba. Now, Kemba at UConn was... He was a fucking player. Kemba. It was special. Clutch, I mean, Dame time before there, it was Dame time, really. Sure. Just that that run, I believe, you know, he led them through the gauntlet of the uh, the Big East tournament. MSG was his his playground. Yes. Hidden shots, big shots all the time. And he's not a big cat. He's maybe six foot. But step back, jumpers, just doing all kinds of stuff. Kemba still in the league on today, March 23rd? Is Kemba in the league right now? I believe he is, but it's the twilight of his career for sure. He's had some some knee issues. And... He's sunk like a rock. Yeah, you always feel like those the smaller guys, when they kind of lose that ability to elevate and there's, there's the quickness yeah. and quick twitch, it's, it's, it's like a punch-drunk boxer, you know? They're going to head out 11 soon. years ago. Shabazz Napier is playing in Europe now. Okay. Jer- Jeremy Lamb. Kicking in my head, he's somewhere. still in a... Pistons jersey, but I that's that's five years late. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um a memory for me that crops up while we're talking about um NBAers. I was just thinking about who we need to touch on, and that's the point guard of Kansas State. And that's why I was thinking we were talking point mm. guards, Kemba, and I started thinking about the uh, KSU point guard. But before we get there, um the NCAA tournament was really the birthplace of Steph Curry at Davidson. Those yes. two years. And and when Steph Curry showed up and they went on a sort of a similar Cinderella-like run to your VCU Rams, and all of a sudden Steph Curry is on the national stage, the international stage, hitting these crazy, crazy deep uh, theatrical threes, which we're now grown accustomed to and, and is sort of normal. But at the time, it was incredible, these shots at this looking to be a little kid is hitting, man. And that's when he really jumped out. I mean, Steph Curry in those years at Davidson, I mean, he's running around, fuck, 30 screens to try and hit a corner (laughs) pocket three. Yeah, man, he put them on the map. And it was so interesting because you were just thinking, oh, he's Del Curry's kid. You know, his dad had an illustrious career, one of the best shooters in the league during his generation. Mm -hmm. And hey, genetics, don't lie. I mean, pass it on. And and I think his brother is a little bit younger, but he played at Duke and kind of had more acclaim. Mm -hmm. But Steph... Man, he was kind of scrawny back in the day. Like now, he's kind of built. He's built up. Sure. He's he's you know he can take those punches. He had like, you know, obviously earlier in his career, he had like ankle issues, all this stuff. He just kind of like, okay, this guy, this is amazing what he's doing, but he's just kind of a shooter. Like I don't know if he's got staying yeah. power. And the, he was 160 pounds when he was at Davidson. It's wild. Yeah, you see those photos. Looks like a completely different person besides his beautiful husky eyes. <laughs> Get lost in those oceans. For sure. Uh, another memory that jumps back, one of the first tournaments that really grabbed me was those early UCLA Bruins teams with the O'Bannon brothers, oh, yeah. Tyus Edney, Cam Dollar, yeah. um, uh, the aforementioned Toby Bailey. Yeah. Later on, Earl Watson. Um, K-Love. K-Love. Um, my guy, Baron Davis, yes. when I, I remember watching up in Black Creek, watching Baron Davis on a CBS broadcast on a Saturday afternoon and the way Baron Davis used to, as mentioned in a previous pod, 
cocked that joint back and banging on him was something else. Later on in his career, when he did it at Andre Kirilenko, AK-47, that same sort of stuff he was doing at UCLA and in the tournament, so much swag, so much ball control, that big ass he had just <laughs> holding guys off, but quick as anything to get to the hoop. Um, those early memories of the tournament when I was a youngster are just fantastic. I mean, I, I've got ties to the Michigan Wolverines, 2013, um, Canadian Nick Stauskas, Glenn Robinson, the third Spike Albrecht had a big game in the championship game. If you remember that Monday night, Tim Hardaway, Jr. Karis Levert, all guys still balling the Trey Burke block. And I was just about to say, and my sort of, I mean, sports pain, it's funny how the the losses outweigh the wins when you think back, right? What actually sticks with you? But Trey Burke, I'm going to get up on the mic because I got to say this nice and loud and clear. Thank you very much. Trey Burke blocking Peyton Silva in the 2013 National Chip, National Championship game. If you don't remember that clip, go YouTube it. That play by Trey Burke is so athletic, so brazen, so wonderful. The fact that they call that in that moment at that time when that guy has the chutzpah to jump up and block Peyton Silva and blocked him clean as a whistle, cleaner than my colon after the colonoscopy, <laughs> the fact that he pulled that off and they called that foul is still something struck stuck in my craw and stuck in my underwear, man. It still pisses me off. I sent it to you the other day because I'll just watch it sometimes just to put myself in a worse mood. <laughs> <laughs> and it it's still really irritating. If you don't remember that play, Google it and send me a message. Send me a note. Check us out on Instagram, the Sports Gloss. Check out the block by Trey Burke on Peyton Silva in 2013. The Wolverines uh, run run to the national championship game. Unbelievable. Preach, man. That was great. The still photo is poetic. The picture says a thousand words. Whew. So good. Let's let's piggyback on that for a second. You and I have been texting about this. Let's talk about the officiating and the pace of play and some of the notes of the tournament. Now, what I think is clear to anybody, be it a big basketball fan, college or NBA, um, would notice off the hop is there's a lot of breaks. Now, first and foremost, the NCAA tournament is the time of the year where everybody watches this tournament. These games are played internationally, every bar, every house, blah, 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 blah. So every little window that they get, the under 16 timeout, the under 10, time, 12 timeout, the under eight timeout, they're taking those. They've also massaged in a few more because they need the sponsorship dollars. That all makes sense, right? So there's more TV timeouts on CBS if you're up here in Canada on TSN. Also, these refs seem to be calling everything they can. I think they're getting paid by the pound. It's crazy how much they call. And I think they're they're trying to get a little bit of TV time as well. It's way too much to me, JC. <sighs> Give me one more second and then I'll back off. <laughs> the replays at the end of games are driving me effing nuts we got to replay everything like as i said to you in text messages this morning if you're not watching these games on slight tape delay like 10 minute tape delay so you can fast forward through the minutiae while these guys figure it out the zebras figure it out the footlocker employees figure it out <laughs> like it just kills the flow it kills the speed it kills the enthusiasm that a viewer might have it's starting 
it's starting to get to me. I feel you, man. It's egregious. Like some of these calls are just ridiculous. I've never seen so many offensive fouls, just yeah. petty stuff. I saw today a kid, I think it was Tennessee. A kid was definitely moving to get in front of a guy and we're going the other way. Refs mm-hmm. making a dramatic. By the way, have you ever seen a ref make a charging call and not look like he's auditioning for a TV show? It's like, it's never like, we're going the other way. It's like, we're going the fucking other way. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like so aggressive and yeah. so theatrical. Yeah. I'm so sick of it. I'm with you. And there's just so many touch fouls where I see a guy just extend his arms straight up. And the kid from Kansas State, I can't, uh, Sills, I think is his name. He fouled out on like the most dog shit call today in a beautiful game. And like you said, it's, it's ruining the flow of the game. Like we were watching this uh, the Zags UCLA game early on. That game was up and down the way college basketball mm-hmm. should be played. Athletes excelling, mm-hmm. and the refs find a way to make calls and slow things down. And then, like you said, they got all the built-in tos that just kill the vibe too. So I'm just like, bitch, don't kill my vibe. I don't need these refs. The star are the kids. It's not the refs. The refs are looking for a bit of pub. You know, it's like they say about the NFL or or any football game. If they wanted to, they could call a holding on every play. Exactly. Yeah. Don't call something that isn't directly impacting the basketball or the pick and roll, right? If it's something off the ball, something that's minor, like, let it go. Let it go. Like, I I mean, these refs are worried about their grading. And and as I just said, I think they're – you know, they don't want attention, but they want people to know that they're in charge. And it's just, man, it just drives me crazy sometimes, Jamal. It just drives me crazy. It's a macrocosm for the NCAA. I just got to tell you a quick story. There was a ref uh, when I was playing college basketball in the AC. AC, AC, shout out to uh, anyone listening who played in the AC. And boy, do we appreciate your ears. There was a ref that uh, his nickname, this is just a quick aside. There was a ref whose nickname we called, his nickname was Veggie Pants. <laughs> And it's because he ran like he had a bunch of vegetables in his underwear. And not only did he run like that, it sort of looked like that. Like he had all these weird things protruding out of his underwear. Anyway, the ref's name, we call him, we call him Veggie Pants. Nice guy, but sort of ran like he had a, had a his, undies, his undies were full of your fridge crisper. That's a Veggie Pants call. That's a Veggie Pants call. Uh, let's slide into the Sweet 16, JC. A couple of results have happened today on this Thursday. Big day tomorrow. Again, I hope you've piggybacked on the last pod and you set it up with your employer that tomorrow you're not feeling well. You've done the groundwork. You, you, that's right. You've laid the base coat. If you're on spring break, make sure um, everyone's out doing an activity and you got a little room to maneuver in the late afternoon in zone. And let's talk about the matchups tomorrow, JC. We got Bama, San Diego State. We've got Creighton and the aforementioned Princeton Tigers. Houston, Miami, Xavier, Texas. What sticks out to you? I think the Bama SDSU game is going to be interesting. The kid Miller, who's getting all the hype, got probably going to go number two or number three in the draft later in the summer. He didn't score in their early game. Uh, I think their first game of the season, or sorry, excuse me, first game of the tournament. So I'm curious to see how they bounce back. I think Bama may have the best team, but hey, they got to show up and get it done. So that's interesting. The Creighton-Princeton is really interesting as we, as well. On paper, Creighton probably has got better athletes, uh, got a better situation, but who knows? I mean, I'm going to take Bama to come out of this weekend and and you know be in the Final Four. 
And then on the other side, uh, Houston, Miami. Miami's really interesting. They got this kid, and I, gosh, I forget his name. Isaiah Wong, I want to say, and I could be incorrect, but I think he's number two. He's really fascinating, interesting player. can shoot the three ball, can get to the lane. But Houston just has so many dudes to run to you, and they D up yeah. so well. And this yeah, is another thing we were just talking about. How is, how is, Final Four is in Houston. We should be pointed out the Final Four is in Houston. Final Four is in Houston, which I'm going to touch on that in a second, but I wanted to just address what you were saying. How are they going to be officiated? Because Houston is in-your-face defense turning into offense. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple guys like Marcus Sasser getting in trouble on defense, um, getting you know, some foul trouble. How is that going to translate? Is that going to open the door for Miami? But as you said, I feel like Houston's destined 40 years since five slamma jamma since Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, Ralph Sampson. yeah, all those guys, and you know they fell just short to NC State and Jimmy Valvano. So I feel like that the writing's on the wall. Jim Nance, this last year of calling the Final Four as well. Hello, friends. Hello. So it feels like it's it's you know hi- history is is uh, leaning towards Houston. I think they'll get out, but Texas is going to be a tough out. I think Texas gets past Xavier personally. Me too. Um. They got the bigs to do it. They've got they've got guys to get it done. I love Rodney Terry. We'll talk about him a little bit later, the coach. And I'm looking at Houston, Texas. Houston they got the Canadian. Texas. Sorry, Texas uh, Texas has the Canadian. I think his last name is Carr. Played at Minnesota. Transferred oh, yeah. over Minnesota. That guy can hoop. He can get he can get buckets. That guy. He's a really good player. Yeah, for sure. So that's going to be a really tasty matchup on Sunday. I think because both those teams will get by. But I think Houston makes it out. What about you? What are your feelings? Yeah, I agree. I want to focus on the events of today. Let's talk about the star of the tournament thus far. Oh, yeah. Marquise Noel, the Kansas State University Wildcats. Man, this guy, that's the cool thing about the tournament is discovering players. I didn't watch a Kansas State game all year, to be totally honest. No clue. I watched him for six minutes, and I text you right away, and I was like, check this fucking guy out, because he is unreal. Yeah, we were both just kind of taking it all in last Sunday. Didn't really know much about him. 5'8", 160. He's from the Big Apple. He's from Harlem, New York, playing in the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Came out of nowhere for guys like us who are not initiated to you know what's going on in the season. And he jumps off the screen. Like you see him and right away. You pointed out his handle is sick he's got a great little hezzy dribble he's throwing dimes left and right throwing his his vision his vision and his passing ability is is really noticeable that kansas or sorry the uh, kentucky game we'll get we'll get to the game today which is fucking tour to force but the game against kentucky it was like you're like okay i'm just gonna drop dimes here and then late in the game he's like no i'm gonna hit step back threes he had 27 in that game smallest guy on the court yep and you're just watching and he is dominating he's like i said diminutive but dominating it's just so amazing to watch him and you can tell he's a coach's son just the choices he's making you know i both were point guards growing up we love those point guards that play with their head make decisions have that true point guard style. When you need to get a bucket, you can get it, but you got to facilitate for others. He does that. And he's fiery. You know, he was getting layups in the lane amongst the trees and just slamming the ball down the ground. Just like the passes, the look, the behind the back pass, the no look alley-oop, just, just 
making plays, just making things happen. Not that sort of quintessential college point guard setting the table, coach on the floor, running the plays, calling it out. Man, he as you said, he's hitting huge shots in the in the second half. The 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 swag that he's got and and sort of that leadership that he has. Oh man, he he jumps off the screen. He's as yoked as Anthony Grant. Love to seeing a strong <laughs> point guard. Man, he he is he is great entertainment. Let's run through his stats today. So they got the job done against Michigan State. I watched the majority of that game, and it was probably one of the best games of the tournament. We had two of the best games of the tournament today, which we were just so lucky to be blessed with that. But man, they get the win, ninety eight ninety three over Michigan State, and the. Uh, your favorite coach, Tom Izzo. Hmm. And there were moments where I was in doubt. He turned his ankle. He, uh, Noel, he had like some crazy moments. There was one time where there was a loose ball and he knew the shot clock was uh, about to elapse. He grabs the ball, throws up as he's falling, throws up like a 24 footer from the elbow, kisses it off the glass, banks it in. And it just seems routine. It seems like it sometimes you're watching a tournament and oh. you see these players get momentum and you just feel like this guy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's gonna happen. Whatever he can, he wants to do is gonna happen. And today he set a record. He had 20 assists, 20 assists in the game today. It, the best one. We gotta find a way to get this out on our Instagram. If you haven't seen this yet, it's it's the best. It's the best play of the day. Easily one of the best plays I've seen the whole tournament. I don't think I've seen it. Tell me. My guys, bringing the ball up. I think we're in overtime also. This game went to overtime, by the way. Game's in overtime. He's looking over to his coach. His coach is giving him a call. Yes, yes, He's yes. I'm with you. He's basically giving his coach, like, the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, changing the call. And he's kind of half looking at the coach at the bench. And then he uh, kind of is looking the other way, with the other eye. He sees Keontae Johnson, who's another star, number 11, kid from Norfolk, Virginia, represent. He makes a, a beeline to the uh, the, the hoop. And Johnson's probably, or sorry, Noel's probably about mm, on the logo, 27 feet out, without even a hesitation. Throws up a perfect mm. oop. My guy, Keontae, catches it and reverses that shit. It looks like video game shit. But that's also, that was in overtime with yeah. no time left. I thought the conversation he was having with the coach was sort of subterfuge. Like it was kind of like, oh. no, no, like they were having a back and forth, but it was a faux back and forth to sort of the, so the defense would sort of lapse and think, oh, hey, there's some confusion. Bing. And then they pull that off in overtime. If that's true, I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. That, I gotta look at the tape. Onions, baby, onions to cut Chuck to quote Chuck Swirsky. <laughs> I mean, just that, like the fact that the coach trusts him in that way, and yeah. the other players on the team trust him. And like I said, this kid is listed at five eight yeah. one sixty. I'm so happy they won today. Um, he's must see TV for me. They move on, and the KSU Wildcats. Man, it's he is. He is something else. Like he's great. I'm I'm on the bandwagon. This is my team. I want to win it all. Yeah. They are gonna go on to face Florida Atlantic. Who That's right. Tennessee. That's right. Tonight. Also cool. Sorry, JC. Also cool that a New York guy, as you said, yeah. going to Manhattan, Kansas, the Little Apple. But this sectional of the tournament yes. is 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 in. The Mecca. The Mecca. MSG at Madison Square Garden. He's doing this in front of friends and family. 
man, he's got to be the toast of the absolute town right now. I love it because you can just tell he's got the clutch gene, just the way he carries himself and what he does on the court. And the fact to be at home in like, like I said, the Mecca, I mean, everybody knows Madison Square Garden. You always heard like Kobe, Jordan, all those guys. When I'm playing here, it's different, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he gets the job done. And you got to say that they're the favorite, that the higher seed, I think they're playing better ball. I think they're going to get out of this. Marquise Noel, if you're listening to this and you haven't you haven't quite <laughs> dialed into watching him, please check him out on Saturday because he is absolutely worth your time. It's it's special. Like It's just like so, so joyous to watch him play. It's the way the game should be played. And that's the cool thing about the tournament. Again, I hadn't seen him play before. Sunday afternoon, and now I'm like canceling plans, canceling spring break plans <laughs> to make sure I catch him, to make sure I catch his next act. Let's dive into some of the other sort of all vibes team of the tournament and other mm. things that have caught your eye. Who else are you feeling as we work through the second round here? There are a few other guys that I got my eye on, and tonight, unfortunately, two of them went down, mm-hmm. but. The first one I want to talk about is uh, we call him finally Triple J, uh, Jaime Jaquez Jr. from uh, UCLA. I think he's from Camarillo, uh, California. He looks like uh, if you've ever seen The Princess Bride, Inigo Montoya. I don't get the reference. Okay. Those at home are laughing. Okay, good. But anyway, he's got some facial hair. He's got like this this LeBray like flavor saver. He's got like the long locks. Headband. Headband. He's got like this thick. I was saying to you earlier, he's got this thick set like he's like not chiseled he's just kind of got like almost like a hockey body like mm-hmm. he's just got broad mass like mm-hmm. thick guy like nice base he's a two guard did you say nice base <laughs> i think you said nice base i did a bit nice it, base yeah, like nice he's base. got a, he's got a dumper on him he's yeah no i haven't ass. heard i haven't heard nice base in a while i like that i'm gonna work <laughs> that into my vernacular there nice go. he got nice he or she has a nice base <laughs> first one's for free you're welcome so <laughs> he he looks He's a two guard, but he, he looks like a four. Mm. He's like a small four. Mm. He gives me like, um, I don't know, like, I don't, I, it's like weird. Like, I feel like body type is like a PJ Tucker type of a vibe. Yeah. But then he's got, he can, the ball in his hands. He, can he, handles, the, he handles the rock a lot. He handles the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And he like, he's not afraid to body guys. He could put his shoulder in you for sure and get what he wants in the lane. And I love that. Good player. Another he, guy who seems like he's been playing in the NCAAs for like seven years. Like <laughs> yeah. He's, I feel like he's been at UCLA since the aforementioned Baron Davis. Like just after that, he, <laughs> he's still going, still putting up numbers. Good on him. Yeah. Will he, will he play in the NBA? Uh, Hakez, I've seen some projections that he will. He's, he's not going to be a lottery pick, but he's maybe a late first round guy. And I feel like he can give you a little bit off the bench. Maybe he's like, he looks your... like a crafty seventh man for somebody. Exactly. I could see him being on the right team and contributing in a way he could probably turn into a defensive stopper. Maybe a guy that's giving you like some good rebounds, giving you like 15 minutes here or there when you need it. Let's switch over to the, the NCAA women's bracket for a second. Yeah, man. And I was texting you the other night. I was half asleep and I stumbled on to some sort of highlight package. And I, I mean, I, I knew of her before, of course, because she's hit some crazy shots. But I watched about a five-minute highlight package of Iowa's Caitlin Clark. Oh, yeah. This woman is incredible. The The highlight that was seen last week where she caught the ball behind her. Sorry, I, I'm not sure who they were playing, but she caught the ball off the wing about a second left, 
bad pass off the inbound, caught it, stroked it, managed to turn her body around it and hit the shot. The shots that Caitlin Clark hits on Iowa, when they're playing, I'm tuning in. I've watched more of the NCAA women's tournament than ever this year. And in sort of that same category as Marquise Noel, like Caitlin Clark is is a joy to watch, is entertaining as all get out. I love her, man. Yeah, that shot was against Indiana. Thank you. And yeah, she was kind of fading to the right on the elbow, maybe like 23, 24 feet out. Hit it and knew it was good. But caught it at her hip and yeah. pulled it around. There was nothing easy about that whole sequence. She catches it, makes it, then like runs behind the baskets, like celebrating. And just love, I just, oh, I love it. It was magic. Um, Stephen A. Smith recently referred to her as kind of the uh, Steph Curry of the women's game. And, you know, she's a singular player, I think, in, in women's college basketball right now. I could compare her to like an Ionescu or someone like sure. that. But she's got swag. She's about six six foot, but long arms. Anywhere inside of half court, it's a green light. Logo, yep. hash mark, wherever. And yep. she makes them. And what I love, too, is her stroke is great. Like, her form looks so good. You know, a lot of times you see kind of modifications of kind of the shot technique with mm-hmm. a lot of the women's players. But for her, it looks just so pure. Like, every time it leaves her hand and... I love it. She can handle the ball a bunch. I mean, if anyone in the women's game you want to have the ball in crunch time, it's Caitlin Clark. We're just we're just joking around about a nice base, but let's talk about a strong base. Good shooters have balance, have a strong base, a strong foundation, and you can see that in her to your point about some of the changes that sometimes shooters make. She like from the ground up is just pure. I agree. And like we were talking about, we've been talking uh, about Steph. Uh, you can look at other shooters like Clay, uh, Clay Thompson, other guys. Like it's all about building get that. Get your feet set. Get your feet set. Get your set. feet set. Yeah. Hips are in the right direction, shoulders, things like that. Even if you're a little bit off balance, if you've got those core things working for you, it's money. And Caitlin Clark can do it. And I'm really curious to see how far she can take this team because she's she's definitely carrying this team. They play again this weekend. I'm not sure who. I think they're a two seed. Um, but Iowa, keep your eyes peeled and see what happens. How do you feel about, as an aside, how do you, how do you feel about the uh, the Cavender twins at Miami? <laughs> now, they're the yeah. third highest grossing NIL student athletes. Damn. Yeah. Um, they probably come across listeners out there. They probably come across your Instagram algorithm. They sure have mine. It's, it's this new world where student athletes can get paid based off their social media, other things too, but can get paid off, off their social media and views. Um, the Cavender twins, they have a podcast. It's not great. Um, uh, they're, they appear to be, Sorry if I'm incorrect. They appear to be identical twins. One of yeah. them hit a hit a big shot in their game against Indiana the other night. Yeah. Um, Condolences, Indiana. That's twice. Yeah. Uh, the Cavender twins. Do you have a Do you have a take on the Cavender twins? They came into my and I'm con- not trying to set you up. No, no, no. They came into my consciousness like maybe a year ago because just like you said, mostly about the buzz around their social media. Yeah. And they're you know they're shorter players. They were at Fresno State, I believe. I don't know one under what auspices they transferred to Miami, but I know there's like a little bit of controversy. And they stuff. transferred for money, for NIL money. That's the auspices. Drop that bag. The bag, Uncle Luke. Miami. <laughs> Miami base and all in your face. Miami drops bags on the men's side and the women's They'll side. They'll drop apparently. them everywhere. Yeah. 
I mean, I get it. More eyeballs on your product and you can get, you know, kids sure. kids latch on to bandwagons just like we were talking about being on that K-State. Like if they say, oh, like look at these girls doing their thing at Miami. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to school in Miami? ACC school, best weather all year. Anyway, they, um, you know, it's one of those things that I feel like is it more um, – Form over function is it, mm-hmm. is it is the substance gonna back up everything for them it's pretty close and yeah and they've had some shots and things here but it almost feels a bit gimmicky and i, yeah. I apologize yeah but um yeah it's interesting i mean well, the stuff they're putting out there is a bit gimmicky if i'm being honest at least you don't love at tic- least from where i'm sitting you don't love tiktok jay i do not i i do not love tiktok watch me do a backflip <laughs> when my sister hits a three yeah exactly Exactly. <laughs> Not really my what I what I <laughs> exactly. want when I'm scrolling through either, but I guess they're filling it up. I mean, shit, they're getting in and out. We gotta get the sports gloss TikTok account going. That's what we need. I know. We we can go out <laughs> to some black tops here and make our our kids are making shots while we do commentary or something, and people might be into it. They won tonight. Uh, let's switch over to uh, the face of the... Well, uh, that's a bit strong. But one of the premier faces of the NCAA tournament, another guy who seems like he's been playing for his team for seven or eight years, and that's Drew Timmy. Uh, Just to piggyback off the Cavender Twins, Drew Timmy is making $2 million a year to play basketball this year at Gonzaga. $2 million. Now, we thought about going pro last year after whatever was his second or third or fourth junior year. And he could have played pro he could have played pro in Europe and and probably made a, a very, very robust living. But he, I think the thought was, why would I go do that when I can come back to Spokane? I can be the man. The team doesn't have any other any other huge studs except for the aforementioned guy who hit the shot earlier tonight, Julian. Swather. Thank you. And yeah, he's making two million bucks a year on NIL. He's got this incredible footwork. They're showing his parents every time they can in the stands. I mean, setting new records by the game as we watch tonight. Drew Timmy, the headband, the fundamentals, the guys. He's a bit of a bucket, though. He is. He showed me something this year. You know, I was the book on him earlier. I was saying that he doesn't have the athletic skills to go to that next level and make an impact. And I was wondering to you with you today when we were watching, I was like, is his ceiling Tyler Hansbro? Mm-hmm. Is his ceiling one of the Plumleys or all of the Plumleys? Sure. They're all the same to me, yeah. <laughs> I can feel it in my Plumleys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but jokes aside, um, he showed me something today. He put a kid in a spin cycle, had a nice yeah. finish against yeah. UCLA. At one point, I saw he had 27. I don't know what he finished with, but those are big numbers in a big game. He's clutch. He's doing it. He's not just a mustache. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Get that bank. You know, Do what you got to do. Let's see where this run takes the Zags. Will he play in the NBA? Yes. Yeah. He will. He'll get. He'll have a cup of coffee. I think he'll be an eighth or a ninth guy. I think he's got just enough to be relevant. I could see him being on a team that needs, you know, just a a, a six nine six ten guy with just enough like skill there. There's there's a there's a place for him in the league. I, I'm trying to think of a comp or like a team that he could fit onto. I mean, he's it's interesting because he doesn't have traits. Like he doesn't have like a huge wingspan. He's not gonna jump out the gym no. or anything like that. He seems like a smart player. He's got a decent handle. You got a deft touch around the hoop, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think he'll 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 
he'll find himself a team for a bit, and we'll see where it goes. Last one for me I want your thoughts on, and that's uh, Arkansas lost tonight. I, ha- I had them going a long way. They've been recruiting really well. Eric Musselman's done a nice job there the last three years. We don't need to belabor the point, but how do you feel about Eric Musselman taking his shirt off, swinging it around his head like a helicopter? North Carolina. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, uh, no, give it to me. I yeah, want it. No, no. Shout out to our friends in Ontario listening. And, and as I would describe him, he looked like a bag of milk. <laughs> Eric Musselman's done a nice job at Arkansas. Um, I was, I was rooting for them to, to dance a little further. The Razorbacks. I like Eric Musselman coaching Nevada, coaching the NBA. Um, uh, speaking of crowd shots, Always nice to see Eric Musselman's wife in the stands. I, I, I'm always happy to see her. Arkansas has got athletes. Yeah, it's, I would have liked to see them going a step further, but again, another solid run. Yeah, they lost that kid to the draft last year. He's playing on OKC now. Yeah. Jalen. Yeah. They have two kids on that OKC team. He, that have the Musselman's recruiting. Name. They're getting they're getting yeah. five star studs. There's a kid they had this uh, this year. Big hair kind of sideshow bob style hair and i can't think of the kid's name i think his last name was black and he um they were talking about him tonight being like a lottery pick so mm. if you're getting kids to come to fayetteville and play for you i mean he's doing something right obviously he's hitting the gym is he muscle man no nah, he's mean, ripping I, his shirt off though, i stand like, by my bag of milk like comment but i like how he takes his shirt off um they lost to yukon and and Dan, don't call me Danny Hurley tonight. UConn mm-hmm. looked really strong. They got athletes on the bench. Um, was pulling for Arkansas in that game, as you can kind of tell. But, um, yeah, UConn moves on. Every round's getting better, as it always does. It gets more and more interesting as we move along in the process. I have one important question for you. Muscleman, good base? <laughs> nice base? Strong base on Eric Muscleman. <laughs> yeah, let's get nice base. Let's take a break. Thursday, March 23rd, the Sports Gloss is rolling through the NCAA tournament. A couple more issues to hit on Jamal. Let's get into the coaches. The faces of these programs really are the coaches. Oftentimes, they're the highest paid uh, person at the school, sometimes the state. Uh, and as always, in in college hoops, the coaches are the faces and the most notable, notable star of the program. Uh, a lot of screen time for every coach, a lot of facial reaction. Tom Izzo's red face as he's snapping clipboards and pulling players by the jerseys <laughs> as he's prone to do is always a sight to see. Always a sight to see. Um, and already the coaching carousel has started. FDU coach Tobin and his upside down mouth has replaced <laughs> Rick Patino, Greasy Rick, has moved on to St. John's, which was a really, really big move. Um, Ed Cooley's left Providence. He's now taken over for Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. He took it. Providence guy took a big check to move on and go to Georgetown. Can hardly blame him. Um, our guy, the sports glosses, Rodney Terry took over for Chris Beard earlier this year while he had a little bit of a domestic situation, <laughs> yeah. which wasn't so great. 
and he's done an amazing job since then. Rodney Terry, you were sending me something about the fact that Rodney Terry was one of the guys that recruited Kevin Durant back in the day. Yeah, DJ Augustine as well. Um, If you remember, he was a great player back at UT. Tristan Thompson, Canadian Tristan Thompson, and his two... What is has Tristan Thompson figured out what hand he shoots with? That wasn't a Kardashian joke coming. I saw your face. Has Tristan Thompson figured out what handed he is? Just like Ben Simmons, no. No, he hasn't. It feels like he it doesn't really matter. He's just there for the boards and the perfect haircut. Yeah, and he has feet for hands, let's be honest. <laughs> Kwame Brown, shout out. Nice. Um, the, the coach at Penn state, his name is Micah Shrewsbury. Now, just recently they lost in the last round on Sunday. Let's call it. Now he's moving on and that's how quickly the NCAA coaching carousel operates. Shrewsbury's moved on from Penn state to Notre Dame, Mm. South Bend, Indiana, golden dome, touchdown Jesus. Yeah, man. How do you? I I don't like this move for him. I feel like Penn State, you build them up. You're in the Big Ten. You, you're playing Indiana, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, all of these powerhouses. Illinois was in the tournament as well. Sure. You're playing all these powerhouses. You're building something here. Northwestern was in the had tournament their best as well. Year ever. Yeah, exactly. So you're on this burgeoning, and they burgeoning. They've been around for a while. Everybody knows the Big Ten. Power and, five. Yeah, Penn State. You're living not far from Philadelphia, great place to be, and you're going to take a job in South Bend, Indiana. I dated mm-hmm. a woman from South Bend, Indiana. Not a lot going on other than Notre Dame, all right? So the relationship didn't end well is what you're implying? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So anyway. Let's proceed. We'll proceed. Another yeah. time, another pod. I agree. I, I, you know, I don't know much about Shrewsbury other than watching him coach a couple of games, but I wouldn't be super excited to leave College Station to no, not College Station. Uh, Happy te- Valley. Thank you. College Station is Texas A and M, and move on to Notre Dame. I don't see the draw. You're replacing Mike Bray at at Notre yeah. Dame, who's been there forever, put a lot of guys in the pros, and a, a definite stalwart and a figurehead in that program. Money question mark? Probably. He's from Indianapolis, so there's a draw for him probably to go back to his home state and and make some noise there. And but at the same time, I'm thinking you've got a nice little recruiting hub there, and just outside of Philly. Yeah, just outside of Philly, you can get kids to come there. Notre Dame, the Notre Dame of it all, just really reeks for me. Yeah. And yeah, you're playing in the ACC, so you're gonna you know see UNC, Duke, Syracuse, Miami, Florida State those teams but you're so far removed from that like that's the interesting thing these days and i won't get on too much of a tangent but it's so interesting that there's teams that you and i bonded over early in our relationship where we were just talking about this teams that are synonymous with a certain conference boston college being you know back in the big east and Mm -hmm. you know your guy dana barrows exactly Mm -hmm. thank you good memory so it's notre dame just feels like this weird interloper like, I feel like they shouldn't be there, and I just, ah, I don't know. Football I, pro- program still being an independent. Yeah. Uh, men's and women's basketball, as well as other sports, being in the ACC. Yeah. It's, odd. Odd. It is odd, yeah. Just kind of, like, making it how they want. You know, in the U.S., NBC is their channel they kind of, like, dictate to and have all the games on TV. It's, like, a big ad for them. So, obviously, you can see how I feel about Notre Dame. But interesting move from Shrewsbury. 
interesting move from a lot of these guys. We got to talk about the Rick Patino of it all. And then you've got feelings about it. This guy is very well-traveled. He's 70 years old. He signs a six-year deal, which seems like he's just stealing money. He moves from New Rochelle, New York, down to Queens. He wants to play all the games for St. John's Red Storm in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of big ass. It feels like a Kentucky Boston Celtics vibes of Rick Patino. Like, like he's peak, still doing the same thing he's always done? Like at the peak of his powers? Yeah. yeah. And look, I own At 70, good. he's still and, at the peak of his powers. We I should all know. be so lucky. Yeah. He's, uh, I saw like a, he did like a little press like thing, you know, between yeah. timeouts. And yeah, he's, he's quite curt is the word I would use. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's he's not the nicest man. And uh, I don't know. I guess he's still got pull. He's, he's, he's a New York guy. He's he's back in back in his neck of the woods. Talk to me about your feelings about this. Uh, Rick Pitino, Rick Pitino, Providence, Kentucky, uh, Boston Celtics, Greece, <laughs> Iona, yeah. which he said he would never leave. He would never leave Iona. When, when Iona brought him back from Greece and he left Greece because he didn't like people smoking in the stands, he couldn't under as as you may say, he couldn't understand the Europeanness of it all. Why are they smoking in the stands? How I, he comes back he, when he gets hired at Iona. Iona gives him a second chance in North or a third or a fourth chance in North America, <laughs> and he says, "I heard his presser. Uh, I was listening to something the other day, and they replayed his presser from when he got hired at Iona. And he said, "I'll be at Iona till I retire. I'm so thankful to be here. I'm at Iona till the end." Eh, not so quick rick not so quick rick (laughs) as you just said the other day iona has had a couple of runs in the tournament um st john's hasn't been hasn't been in the tournament i think it's for 13 years wow so they bring back this new york city legend he's got this attachment to all these new york city point guards he can clearly he can clearly coach him up he can clearly coach him up um, my issue with, with Rick Pitino, and I think a lot of people's issue with Rick Pitino is, um, you know, maybe some of the personal conduct story, Uh-oh. well, or the conduct stories, I should say, I just, I just freaking love the story so much. <laughs> 2003 he's coaching at Kentucky. Rick Pitino married father of five, five, yeah, father of five. He's at a restaurant that I think he's owner, part owner, half owner of. And and during the course of this meal at this Italian eatery. Okay. Okay. I got to go. Got to get. Got to gotta go to a deeper, more sexy octave for this. Feels like it's going to get saucy. <laughs> Rick Patino in this Italian eatery gets the owner operator to uh, press the patrons to get out early because Rick Pitino has made friends with a, with a young woman at a table and he wants some private time alone at the table. So Rick Pitino in a, in a, in a uh, sporadic consensual relationship (laughs) makes, makes, uh, makes love on the table in my mind, a yellow, uh, a red and white checkered tablecloth. They make love on the table at an Italian eatery with this woman that he's just met, keeping wife, 
keep in mind his wife and family are at home and and he's out doing the doing the horizontal dance on a table in an Italian restaurant. <laughs> Wait, I hold on. Yeah. I I was listening to something else for a second. You're talking about Tony Soprano, right? Well, yeah, feels that way. <laughs> they have they have sex on the t- can you imagine being the the family in the corner and you see Rick Pitino <laughs> winding up on the other side and uh, the server comes over to uh, table 17. Um, uh, sorry, uh, Andersons. Yeah, we're going to have to ask you guys to leave. We're closing early tonight. Uh, yeah, Rick's got something going on ac- across the across the aisle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I know you're just diving into your... Your creamy carbonara, but I'll wrap that up for you. We'll we'll wrap that up. Hit it to go. Oh, you want the breadsticks to go? Sure, sure. Uh, Rick might need the breadsticks as a bit of a, as a bit of a teaser, eh? Jay Z, unbelievable. Rick Patino just out there, the most famous guy in the state of Kentucky at the time, and and he's just he's just going for it. My favorite quote of the quote of the article on ESPN. <laughs> Patino says, some unfortunate things happened. (laughs) Assistant U.S. Attorney Marisa Marisa Ford asked him, did you have sex that night? And Patino's response, yes, yes, very briefly. (laughs) He's efficient. Oh, my God. I get in, I get out. I think they had a baby that night. The love was so strong. The passion was so hot. The marinara was so hot, they had a baby that night. Brief as it was, procreation. That's how good of a coach Slick Rick is, JC. I got I got nothing. I mean, and here he is coaching your St. John's Red Store. For the next six years, from 70 to 76. <laughs> Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Yeah. You think he's doing anything different? I doubt it. Wild, wild. While we're talking about New York's finest, let's transition and play a little bit of a game. Mm. Tonight we've been talking about Noel and just the essence of the New York City point guard or mm-hmm. point god. Mm-hmm. I want to play a little game. Let's do a little bit of overrated or underrated. And I'm going to give you a New York City point guard from the past and you tell me if he's overrated or underrated. Or who'd you rather? <laughs> Sorry, I'm still stuck on Rick. <laughs> who'd you rather have playing for your team is what it was implying. Uh, yeah. Go on. Oh, I'm going to start big. Stefan Marbury. Overrated, underrated. Starbury? Yes, sir. Mm, I, I wouldn't say he's overrated. Mm-hmm. When he came in with the T-Wolves, playing with KG, the big ticket, I loved Starbury. I'm into Starbury, you know, had a had an up and down career and certainly had some bumps in the road, but boy, was he a skilled player. Went on, you know, there's statues, I think two statues of him in China at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I think right. So. Um uh, I don't think I don't think Starbury was overrated. I, I'm quite fond of, of Steph Marbury. Nice. You nice. It's a tough one. He's right there at the line. I know. I wanna I'll just for sake of argument, I'll say underrated. Sure. He did a lot. I feel like that era of the NBA, 
mean, when he came to the league, mm-hmm. he was in Minnesota. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I think you're right. He was underrated. When he played really well for the New Jersey Nets at the time, he had a couple great seasons for them. Yeah, yeah. He the drop off was steep, like it was bad. Yeah, quick. But he was electric. He was yeah, his must must see TV. He sure was. Went to Georgia Tech. Yeah. N- the new coach at Georgia Tech is. Mighty Mouse, Damon Stoudemire. Oh, not right? a New York guy, but also a great guy, a great player. Lefty, we we love a lefty. And talking about Georgia Tech too, and that a lot that, of great point gods wow. went down to Georgia Tech for a year or two. Two other lefties I can think of right off the bat: Kenny Anderson, mm-hmm. it's another New York City uh, point god. What are your feelings about uh, Kenny Ken- Anderson? Yeah, I like Kenny Anderson. I like. I think I like Marbury more, but I like Kenny Anderson. Rod well, Rod Strickland's the other one. Uh, Travis Best. Oh, left another lefty. I mean, he's more he he was maybe more of a two. Yeah, you could argue. Yeah, yeah. But uh, God, nice that was a stroke. Nice stroke. Yeah. God, nice remember stroke. Those, I like Travis Best. Those Georgia Tech teams. Austin Crozier and Travis Best. Yeah, man. Those just briefly those Georgia Tech teams under Bobby Crimmins were just so fun. Mm-hmm. He'd always pull guys like uh, Rodney Rogers. Was he? No, he's a Wake Forest guy. My apologies. Yeah. But you, he would pull guys like Best, um, Gugliotta. Was he a Georgia Tech guy? Googs. Hmm. Googs. Man, now I'm just conflating all of these ACC yeah. guys from yeah, a certain yeah. era. But yeah, I feel like Best Anderson. He got those guys to come down to Atlanta and make a difference. Throw some other names at you. It's talking about point gods. You, from New York, you can't skip this guy. God, Sham God. God, Sham God. Who would you take? Sham God or Telfair? There's another sort of a um, a real interesting trajectory. Sebastian Telfair, sort of a cousin, second cousin of LeBron, right? Another. Yeah. He was on the cover of Slam magazine as a high schooler, thought to be a, an instant NBA star. Never really hit a stride in the NBA, you know, played seven to nine years, had a couple of good seasons in there. He was a six man backup PG a lot of times, but never really, you know, he was so hyped. I would say it'd be hard to hit his potential, but he had a bit of a, I think he had a bit of a rough road at times. I would sort of guesstimate. I feel like he couldn't let go of the streets. It was a lot more swagger than substance. And I say that and I, I can't, you know, I don't know what his day to day was, but I remember him just kind of like slam magazine covers and headbands and more about the, the glitz yeah. and glamour. Yeah. Um, Former Toronto Raptor. Rafer skipped to my Lou Alston. How Whoa. did you feel about Rafer? Underrated? Overrated? Would you have him on your squad? All said and done, I gotta say he's underrated. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of reasons why. The whole, I feel like he was one of those guys that the jump off with and one can be connected. <laughs> yeah, man, just yeah. connected with him. Yeah, and Skip that started. That was on fire. You know, I I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a whole Netflix documentary of that, and I watched it. Shout out to my guy, our guy Harris, who uh, put me onto that. But it's um. He was so good, and and the fa- the thing that I loved about him was he could play that street ball style, do the most creative things. But then he made it into the league. You know, yep. he's at Fr- uh, Fresno State with our guy, rest in peace, Tark the Shark. Yeah, and then he gets to the league, and 
he was a serviceable backup point guard. Sure. Like the he fact started that- for a while. He signed a big ticket with the Raptors at the time. I think thirty million at the time left them to play with the Miami Heat. Played with the Bucks. One of the only few and one street ballers that at the time was definitely in the consciousness of of the basketball world, and then progress and transition into the NBA. It's amazing. It's like. Uh- if someone was like in a boy band and then this like crosses over and writes like these really, <laughs> you're looking at me. <laughs> I was going to make this analogy about being in a boy band and yeah. then you just cross over and you write like these amazing singer songwriter hits sure. that take over the world. Like it's, sure. it's that kind of a vibe. <laughs> Ricky Martin? Ricky Martin. <laughs> hey, living La Vida Loca, we've all been there. You come to the sports class, you get... <laughs> Skip to my Lou compared to Ricky Martin. <laughs> I want to talk about some of these old heads here for a second. There's a couple other point gods from New York that uh, call my attention. Mark Jackson. So I'm going to break sorry, this. Mark Jackson. <laughs> I am for real. I'm going to break it into three categories. Thirds. Go on. Yeah. Mark Jackson. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, I want you to give me overrated, underrated on his career. Okay. Um as a point guard yes his career as a coach mm. his career as a commentator mm. okay i think i got it let's say you underrated as a player right high on the the all-time assist list wasn't flashy had that ymca game just yeah. put his body on you yeah he kind of did he had those wide hips the way he moved around obviously incredible good base good great base great great base both <laughs> both visually and um in execution um underrated as a player very underrated as a coach we were talking about Steph Curry the genesis of Steph Curry starting at Davidson someone argue that that Mark Jackson the way he sort of established the Splash Brothers and gave Steph Curry the confidence and the wherewithal to 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 play the way that he does, which is, you know, transformed basketball. Here we are 10 years later has transformed the way that the game is played and the focus on the three pointer. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Um, uh, overrated as a, as a broadcaster, IMO only yeah. because I don't think he should be on the A team. I, I like what he has to say, but I mean, I'm not watching a game or staying longer on a game because Mark Jackson's on the call, right? Like, you know. Mama, there goes that man. I'm with you. Get yourself a dog. (laughs) I feel like he is just kind of a second fiddle to Van Gundy Mm -hmm. on the call. So I agree with all of that. I totally agree with you. I feel like that Golden State Warriors run really gets kind of lost in the wash of what they did later on. But he kind of laid a foundation there for you i want to talk we were talking about commentators as well kenny smith kenny the jet what do you think about his career and then what do you think about his you know post playing career as the one of the guys the face of tnt won two nba titles with the houston rockets and akeem and hakeem elijah Wan. great backcourt great backcourt he was a good player played at north carolina obviously did really well i at now, when I think of Kenny Smith, all I can visualize is him running up to the screen on TNT with those weird ass legs that he's got. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's racing Shaq. Well, he's got the, the and he's got the yeah. knees, the, the the legs. Yeah. Point out. <laughs> I think probably you know due to his playing career and 
maybe some degenerative mm-hmm. um, issues, but I, I, I like him on when I watch him to TV. I think he's probably underrated as a broadcaster on TNT. Him, Shaq, and Charles, I mean, that's the best show on television, in my opinion. And and he's a big part of that and has been for all he's smart, articulate, doing a lot of commercials. If you've watched the NCAA men's tournament on, on CBS, he's doing a lot of commercials with, with Samuel Jackson and the aforementioned Chuck. So, yeah, I'd say he's maybe um underrated as a player and and probably right where he needs to be on the grading scale of of an analyst because i think he's really good rated i love it yeah. i agree i feel like he's the voice of reason on that on that uh set i mean ernie is obviously kind of mediating and being the facilitator but yeah. i feel like you know chuck's gonna do chuck things as yeah. we saw earlier tonight yes and shaq just, yeah i yeah. think you know you gotta uh, that's not championship material you know shaq does his thing but I feel like Kenny, like you said, interjects some articulate nature, mm-hmm. some cerebral aspects to it. So I agree. I'm going to throw one more at you. Bit of a curveball. Go on. Sue Bird. Sue Bird from New York City? A New York City point god? Long Island. Didn't oh, know. But really? she is. Yeah, I did a little research. Sue Bird. What are your thoughts, man? She's got quite the legacy. What are your, if just briefly, feelings mm-hmm. on Sue Bird? Well, she's been playing with the Seattle Storm for so long. For some reason, I just assumed that she was maybe uh, um, from the Pacific Northwest or something. Feels that way. You know, like she's been there for so long. Um, I like Sue Bird. I I like her game. Heck of a shooter, excuse me. And I like what she stands for. Recently retired, all-timer, played at UConn, I believe. Sue Bird, yeah, underrated. Underrated Superd, multi-time Olympian, yeah, a stalwart. God, she played till she's our age. She's she just retired last year, and she, fuck, she must have been 38, 39. Super underrated, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Or you could maybe say rated, maybe. But I feel like we can't overlook what she did. I feel like she's gonna go down in the uh, the pantheon right there with Tarasi, sure, as being like one of those elite yep. uh, female players. So. Yeah, I mean, we're close to it. She just finished up her career, and we'll see what's going to happen next for her. But consummate professional, uh, classy, love her, love the power couple with Rapino. Mm-hmm. And she played, she was an absolute star and played really well right to the end. There yeah. was no drop-off. We're just no. talking about drop-offs with uh, Starbury. There was no drop-off there. And she's probably like your age. 27? <laughs> <laughs> time uh. plus yeah but shout out to sue bird we love what you shout did shout out to sue bird let's get her on the pod yeah we'll see i got efforting sue bird we'll see what could happen definitely i got one more little shout out i'm gonna give before we go to break here and that is to the john marshall high school justices of richmond virginia congratulations on an amazing season you went 28 and 0 just slaughtering the competition and i've seen in a few polls in the ESPN poll, they're number seven in the most recent poll I've seen in the country, that is, my friend, mm. and number one on the Max Preps, Prep, Max Preps poll for the, the country, which is amazing because this is a quite small public school in north uh, north side of Richmond, Virginia. I just want to give them their flowers. Done an amazing job. They got some kids that are going to go on to have some big success, I think. I think one of the kids is going to go to uh, NC State next year just demolished every team they played this year 
And I want to see what's next for them. They got invited to a tournament. Uh, they do some year. sort of nationals, don't they? For those, yeah. those sort of top 10 teams in the country? In the yeah. US? The national tournament is in Atlanta. And I don't know when the date is, but I'm going to keep my eyes peeled. And, and if uh, if I can follow it, uh, I'll see if I can report back on it. But shout out to JM. Now, they're a traditional powerhouse in the area. Like, they're always good. And they're always, you know, sort of the talk of the town and in the upper echelon of high school programs in the area. Or they just they just had a great year and it all came together. They're always strong, but not to this level. They That's usually it. produce, like, a player or two that gets to that next level, or gets mm-hmm. to the college ball. Mm-hmm. Like, they have a kid who's in the G League, and I haven't checked on him for a bit. And then his name is slipping my mind. His name's Isaiah... Todd, I believe he's about 6'10, 6'11, kind of big kid, but has more of that outside game, more of like a Porzingis game. So let's see what happens with him. But yeah, this is a breakthrough from them to be on the national stage to this level. So just wanted to shout it out. I mean, they're uh, essentially a uh, two way school. So they have less than how many kids go to that school? Probably 500, maybe Jeez. a little bit more. And really? They're on that level. Yeah. And, a pu- and a public school. In a public school. Heck yeah. So tremendous effort from them. Just want to give them a shout out. John Marshall. Yeah, JM. Let's go. With that, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Welcome back to the Sports Gloss. We're going to talk a little bit of hockey and the NHL. And, talk that hockey. Yeah, man. And something that keeps coming up in our conversations, and that's in inclusivity. And that's the LGBTQ plus issues that seem to persist with the NHL right now. So Chicago said they're not going to wear the Pride warm-ups, whereas Florida said that they were going to wear the, the Pride warm-ups coming up. But Wore them tonight. Wore them tonight. Wore them tonight. Thank you. But there are two players on the Panthers that had some different feelings and didn't wear them. So, Justin, what are your thoughts? Interesting that um, Chicago chose not to wear them in a in a progressive and huge multicultural city like Chicago. And in Florida, you know, like the old joke, um, you know, Florida man or woman you hear <laughs> on the radio, right? Yeah. Pretty, um, not having been to Florida in a little while, pretty pretty right leaning state and some odd stuff coming out of Florida, usually involving alligators at, at times, right? Florida chooses to wear the pride jerseys and Chicago doesn't. And in the Stahl brothers, two longtime NHL vets, Mark and Eric Stahl, who now play for the Florida Panthers, Florida Panthers are in certainly look to be in the playoffs. They sat out the warm up tonight in the aforementioned pride jerseys because they didn't want to wear them tonight, Jamal. They did not want that. Um, that was against their beliefs. They, they verbalized in a, in a social media post and there they chose not to warm up tonight. Now, both stall brothers played in the game. They weren't suspended. They weren't fined. They simply just deemed the, you know, air coats, rainbow slash pride jerseys, 
uh, unfit for their Christian bodies, and they chose. Oh, they yeah, well, that's what they said. They they didn't warm up, but again, they played in the game. These are these jerseys that are weared for different causes. Some of them serious, some of them a little more lighthearted. These again, these are sort of you know token gestures. And and really to promote inclusivity or bring awareness to an issue. Sometimes they're used for fundraising. And I find it so odd, especially in hockey, that that two players, in this case brothers, stand alone and, and put themselves apart from the team, which is sort of anti-hockey culture, and say, we're not doing this. It's it's odd. A great tweet tonight by um, sort of a Vancouver hockey writer, uh, Daniel Wagner, pass it to Bullis, and I quote, it's so demoralizing that Pride Nights in the NHL are turning into a player on your favorite team thinks that you shouldn't exist nights for LGBTQ plus people. And, and that kind of sums it up nicely. These nights are for inclusivity. Hockey, to its credit at times has kind of been the at the forefront of inclusivity and this last year they really peeled back we've talked about this in a previous app uh, both uh, teams in New York Minnesota um, uh, some teams in California like this is just eroding at the fabric of some of these events Jamal and I think like I said to you today over the phone I think that that because of sort of the scuttlebutt between the Russians Ivan Provolov with the Philadelphia Flyers sort of the first person to take a stand and these these nights and these nights of awareness and again sort of um um inclusivity at least sort of at the forefront i'd be surprised if they happen next year man and it's it really bothers me yeah and and also that like i just appreciate brian burke's angle is always was always if you can play you can play and hockey is for everyone or some of his sort of key points and I just really stand by that. I mean, I live my life by that, but I really stand by it, especially in hockey, and always appreciate it. And this year, it's just been, like I said, it's just been eroded. It's really difficult to watch this happen, and it's kind of a, like you said, black eye on the game, and I'm hoping that we can correct this and move on. So the question is, is this going to affect, or this type of behavior, in any sense, in this case, it's the NHL and NHL teams, but it could be anywhere, Will this affect your viewing, your your fandom, how you spend your time and your eyeballs, and in some case, your hard-earned dollars? It does tarnish the legacy for me a bit. I'm a casual fan, so I'll, I'll get out in front and say that. But at the same time, it's hard. It's difficult for me, especially, I think, for me, the big thing is, like, the players specifically, like the Stalls and the Provorovs and those types of guys yep. that have come out and made it readily apparent that they don't stand behind this and and trying to hide behind different auspices i can't get behind those guys you know i'm i'm often team agnostic on different things i have i do love my uh my washington capitals but you know what uh unfortunately i bet my guy ov probably i don't know yeah. i don't yeah i think he's but probably that, in but the that's same a, thing but that is the so issue. it's it's difficult is it sorry ever? Is it's it difficult ever? to disassociate from that so it's it's tricky, man. There's not one. No, there isn't. There isn't like a yeah. I mean, and, and we're not going to wade in that water. That water on the sports class, but you get into religiosity and 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 sort of the the right to believe what you want to believe, and and it gets those waters get murky and they get difficult. Yeah, quick, fast, and that yeah, and that's a challenge, especially if it's hurtful to other people in other communities. If people are finding that hurtful, I yeah. Mean, 
I mean, for me, that's a full stop, but that's now where we are with an issue like this, with a, with a league as big as the NHL. Let's move off something so serious. Let's move into a couple other things while we talk a little puck. Connor McDavid, 60 goals for the Edmonton Oilers. Leon Dreisaitl, the German, he got 112 points. Connor McDavid had 60 goals in how many games, JC? 72? 72. 72. It's great. I mean, he's the quickest to do it since our guy Lemieux. I say Mario. Mm. You say Mario. <laughs> You're right. I do say Mario. I don't say Mario Brothers. I don't say Mario Lemieux. It- fucking torches my soul just like i don't say pasta that's good that got me that's good you're yeah. right i do say mario but yeah. back to the point <laughs> you say catcher i say bat catcher <laughs> i don't i say catcher go on yeah mcdavid um he's elite obviously the yeah. best of his generation and for him to do this in such a you know he said he was pressing to get to that 60 point mark or 60 goal mark and he he just nudged our guy uh, Austin Matthews he did it in 73 back in the 21 22 season um but this is oh he's done it a few times scored 60 goals yeah 60 goals seems like a lot it does seem like especially in the modern NHL you know mm. it's not back in like the Gretzky days and stuff so it's even it's wild just to think that he's done this and He's leading this team. It's pretty amazing just to see. I'm like I said, I'm a novice fan. Seeing the way he skates, seeing the way he stick handles, it is exciting. He's one of those guys that brings eyeballs to hockey for the casual fan. We've got some. We've got some sports glossers in Edmonton, and again, we really appreciate your your ears and your time wherever you are. We thank you so much. We've got some glossers in Edmonton begging for a little McDavid talk, a little McD McJesus talk, <laughs> if you will. I haven't seen him in person, but as the NCAA tournament for me is, is uh, air quotes, a bucket list item I'd like to do in my lifetime to be live and in the building for part of the NCAA tournament. I think seeing Connor McDavid in full swing, as yeah. you said, at full speed with my own eyeballs in an arena, wherever that may be, that's something I like to do because the speed of him is not conveyed over the television i feel yeah to be in the building and just watch him move even when he doesn't have the puck just track him up and down the ice and then when he turns it on when he turns it off when he hits the jets and goes into fifth and sixth gear that's something i haven't done but but i would love and and hope to see Connor mcdavid with my own eyeballs and watch him move because you're right he is so fucking fast <laughs> he's he's the type of person in my opinion he's a generational talent i don't think in our lifetimes we're about the same age i don't think we'll see another player like him i don't think we're going to see another human that moves like him on the ice for as long as we're alive and hopefully we live long lives i agree totally and the question that I have to ask you is really interesting. You're talking about bucket list items. I know you had some days in Edmonton, but you don't, you know, reside there currently. But where's Connor going to reside? Do you think he sticks around in Edmonton, or you think it's a Gretzky situation? He moves to uh, you got to think the pastures, bigger markets. Sure, you got to think the NHL at some point would like to see him in a big American market. Maybe follow the Gretzky trajectory and head up with head into the LA Kings or. Maybe Chicago, New York. I mean, the NHL, old Gary B would love to have more eyeballs on him, right? Like, yeah, you would guesstimate that most American hockey fans aren't seeing a whole lot of Connor McDavid unless he's playing against their their home team. 
This is a great point because as an American, all we're fed all the time is like rivalry American hockey. Right. Like Chicago I, versus Boston. Yeah, yeah. All those years I had to find like, you know, an illegal stream basically to yeah. watch like the Canucks or something when I was residing in, in RVA because it's just, I mean, how, yeah, like you said, like Jersey Devils, Rangers. Yeah. Long Island yeah. or Long Island, God, the Islanders versus sure. Rangers, whatever it is. Like, I'm not really getting super thrilled about a Carolina, uh, Nashville, no, kind of a Wednesday night. But you know, if you bring in Connor into the mix and you put him in a big market like the you know New York Rangers, Chicago, California, who wouldn't want to be a guy from Richmond Hill, Ontario, living in yeah. SoCal? Yeah, you know, so. Also, that's going to bring in that American hockey fan, casual American hockey fan to stereotype, if I may, that that watches the game, but, you know, comes and goes on it. But again, he is so electric yeah. that he's, you know, he's captivating. He's going to just bring in more eyeballs, which is obviously what the NHL is always trying to do in the States. Yeah, I'm curious to see where he lands, if he sticks around. I know he has a huge contract and things like that to move, but yeah. Uh, things move in mysterious ways and you think someone's going to be a lifer and somewhere and sometimes they get shipped out. Maybe he'll get tired of being in a Canadian market where he has to get asked every day. Good point. 30 times. Like, you yeah. know, like the minutia, well, what do you eat for dinner? Why did you do this? Why do that? Like <laughs> you can see him and when he's getting interviewed, like he's not, he doesn't seem like the happiest guy. I mean, he's sort of very hockey dulcet tones in his responses. Yeah. But at some point, I think anyone in in a Canadian market, a big one like Toronto or a small one like Edmonton would get tired of the same reporters in your grill every day, just giving it to you, giving it to you, trying to get a nugget, get tired of Mark Spector asking you the stupid fucking questions. Like <laughs> he, I think, you know, at some point he, he might like a change and, you know, he could go to Dallas and mm -hmm. no, Not pay taxes. no state income tax and, you know, continue to expand the sport down there or Nashville, or like we just said, the LA Kings, it's, it's interesting and, and maybe he will. Yeah. Will he ever be a Maple Leaf? Will he go home? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think he wants any more of a Canadian market after Edmonton. Toronto is the, the epicenter of the hockey universe. Nowhere is harder to live as a hockey player than Toronto. Taxes, reporters, the whole shebang. I mean, glorious when it's good, but you know they haven't got out of the first round in six or seven years. So I, I don't think there's a pull home there. If I could guesstimate, I think it'd be a move somewhere else to, um, yeah, maybe to get away from some of the, the bright lights off the ice and just do his thing on the ice. Yeah, I feel you. I think that's a good call. I wouldn't want to go to that lion's den. No, no. <laughs> Let's transition. We were talking about going home, and that makes me think about parents and You've been watching the the tournament, and we've been seeing a lot of parents in the stands. Yeah, Drew Timmy's yeah. parents tonight. Mom and dad holding on to each other's thighs, <laughs> gripping, 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 gripping. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of different things. Both of us were talking uh, off mic earlier about how we had some things come across our Instagram that were hilarious, like within the wrestling college wrestling realm, where there was the. The Iowa, I believe it was an Iowa wrestling mom mm -hmm. whose son was like a three-time champ, lost to this Purdue kid, and she just 
fucking melted her glass like eyeglasses just like crushed oh. them like the hulk into a thousand pieces yeah just with like her disdain for her son losing his wrestling match <laughs> and i'm just thinking oh my god please get a counselor to this lady immediately this is a travesty it's gonna and be then, a rough breakfast tomorrow for yeah, the son exactly <laughs> And then as well, there's another wrestling mom who's pretty more in a, like a jovial, hilarious kind of way. Like her husband was sitting next to her and she's just yanking on him and pushing him and pulling him and stuff. Just like, you know, going through all the motions as her, her son was yeah. was uh, enduring what he was on the mat. And it was just kind of fun and wild and just triggered so many thoughts like you talked about. And we saw the like just the... Like Zach Eadie's, you know, got yeah. eliminated, and like, yeah. it's that elation of a like sixteen beating a one, but at the same time, like you could just see how devastation, uh, exactly how devastated he was, and then you see his mom, and I'm just like, God damn it! Like all the sacrifices she's made, the expectations people have had, and like as a parent, you just want the best for your kid, you know, regardless of whatever's happening, and you see your kids worked so hard to get to this point, and then, you know things don't go your way. So with that, just- but that is the, sorry, JC, that is, that's sports pain, right? And it's sports and pain. our kids are little, they're not at that, that place yet. Some of the other parents out there who have older kids, I mean, and, and we were just talking hockey. There's sort of the old joke, like the quintessential Canadian hockey parent, you know, throwing stuff at the ref, yelling every chance they can, right? We're not there yet with our kids. It'll be interesting to see how we operate when our kids get a little bit older and get into some sort of more intense, air quotes, higher stakes environments. But man, some of these parents are just crazy. I've been in some environments, sometimes in a hockey <laughs> rink, sometimes in a like a gym, in a basketball in the basketball sense, man, these parents are are wild. I don't know. Ah. One thing that I don't get is the the abuse of the official. Yeah. Oftentimes, maybe a young person who's officiating, yeah. you know, like, I just don't, I don't get just barraging a young person, an umpire at a baseball or a softball game, just totally giving them SHIT the whole time. I don't, I don't, I don't get that angle. I don't either. They're doing the best they can. You know, they're not rooting for anyone. They're trying to To do... make 20 bucks a game and get to get on with their Saturday afternoon. And you're riding them like they're an NBA ref or something. That's the problem. That's I, that's the yeah, problem. Yeah, I just feel like there's there's a line there and we need to be respectful of that. And you also exemplar you're you're exemplifying really bad behavior in front of your kids. Sure. sure and you yeah. look bad too, right? Sure. Like you're just in the community is like, oh man, Jamal is like fucking giving it to this like sixteen year old who called a ball instead of a strike. Like, yeah, it's it's a bad look on it's so a, many levels. It's a really bad look. Yeah. Just speaking of that, I can remember. Uh, I can remember my dad. I was playing on the the North Island under sixteen team, I think, and we were in Surrey, some random gym. We had lost the night before. We were sort of in the losers bracket. We had like a nine a.m., eight a.m. game and some gym there was two two people in the barn two people in the barn (laughs) one on sort of the left bleachers and one on the right side yeah and my dad um who was a soft-spoken sweet gentle human being in every other uh circumstance except for a competitive environment and most of the time when i was playing yeah and he ah, this gym on this random saturday 
Oh man, he was just going at this ref. A, he was super hungover slash still slightly inebriated. <laughs> and he just, I, the ref made a call early in the game on me and I could just see it just triggered my dad. And again, the, the stands are bare. There are no other human beings there. And my dad just, just was, my dad's not with us anymore. He would, he wouldn't mind me telling the story. He might have a slightly different version, but he'd be wrong. <laughs> and he was just giving it to this ref, just giving it to him. And again, he's the only voice in the gym, the squeak of the sneakers, the coaches, and my dad just berating this official who was again out to make 25 on a Saturday morning to the point he was berating this official to the point. And I think the, the ref sort of understood the connective tissue where my coach, who was my high school coach at the time, shout out to the streetcar named desire. He says to me, Hey, the ref's going to ask you if you know this guy, if you know this crazy person and you're going to have to say no. Damn. And I'm thinking like, there's my dad, there's my hero who again is acting like a total fucking psycho. <laughs> sure enough. A couple minutes later, ref comes over to me. You know that guy? Because he was going to tee us up. If I said he was sort of our fan, damn, he was going to tee us up. I looked the ref right in the eyes and I said, I don't, I don't know that guy. Right? <laughs> A couple minutes after that, the ref, again, there's two people, maybe three at this point at 8.37 on this Saturday morning. The ref looks right at my dad. Shout out to BK. He looks right him in the face and he says, get out of here. Throws him out of the gym. Throws him out of an empty gym. Wow. And he walks. My dad, he walks. Totally lost his top. Again, normally um, um, thoughtful member of society and all of our other avenues. In these competitive environments, he just lost his goddamn mind. Totally <laughs> lost it. Crazy. And everyone could see it coming. It was wild. In that game, and this happened many times, JC, many times. I'd be bringing the ball up the court. And I'd be fingering my dad with one hand. <laughs> Sorry, that came out wrong. I'd be giving him the middle finger. I'd be giving him the bird. Yeah. I'd be flipping him off. I'd be dribbling with one hand and I'd be giving the middle finger to my old man because he'd be just barking at me, barking at the ref. Like it was crazy behavior. Crazy. Crazy. And, and I can remember, I said this to you before, I can remember thinking in those moments, if, if, I ever have kids. Mm. If I ever have kids down the road. Yeah. Man, I am not, not going to operate like that. I'm not going to behave like that. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that crazy person in the stands. I will not do that to my offspring. If I'm lucky enough to have children later, I will not do that. And even in those moments as a grade 10 and then, and then a grade 12, I'm like, no way. No effing way I'm going to do that. Because it was not a great place to be. It's it's interesting because there's got to be, you know, I like to chalk it up to passion. Yeah, as would I. <laughs> but at the same time, I totally get what you're saying because you're just like, I had to just disassociate and anonymize myself. Was uh -huh. like, that man, that guy who taught me everything, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know that motherfucker. Kick his ass out. <laughs> my ride home i don't know that guy and that's i mean i could i mean i can carry on in in future apps but it there are many more of those stories yeah where the seemingly smart educated member of society and educator in the school system just total 180 and turns into an absolute nutter 
<laughs> Nutter, I got more of these, man. I got more. Let's save them. Let's yeah. save them for oh, future pods. It was crazy, but yeah, <laughs> you're right. You nailed it. It's just, its behavior is just bizarro. No, it's good. He loved you, man. He loved. Oh yeah, he, oh, he, he got loved an interesting game. way of showing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That brings us to the end of episode six on the Sports Gloss. Again, thanks so much to everybody for listening in your cars, while you're working, while you're working around the house. Uh, we got some tennis coming up next weekend. Got to touch on some tennis. Uh, NCAA tournament continues, heats up as we enter the final four and then championship game next week. We've got some parenting topics coming up next week that we hope you find interesting. We've got some feelers out on some interviews down the road as well. A lot going on with the sports gloss. Again, we thank you so much for your time. JC, let's get it going. Oh, check us on Instagram at the Sports Gloss. Send in some questions, some comments, some queries. Really appreciate your feedback on there. As always, Jamal. Survive in advance. We'll see you next week. Peace.